this week, we're continuing our series on the songs we sing by looking at a song we sang earlier, The Battle Belongs. Let's look again at the verses in this song. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. The story of David and Goliath is one we all love. The young shepherd boy taking on the fierce giant that no one else has been able to defeat. He takes him on and defeats him with just a slingshot. It's a story you see referred to outside of Christian circles. If there's, a, say, an individual taking on a corporation, for example, it'll be referred to as a David and Goliath struggle. In fact, I saw that referred to just this last week, just after I'd prepared this bit of the sermon, I actually saw it in the press somewhere. They talked about someone having a David and Goliath struggle. What propelled David was his faith in God and his desire to honour God when he saw God's name being dishonoured, his own safety, that he should be afraid, that he should keep right out of it when no one else has been able to defeat this giant, didn't come into his thinking. He just saw God's name being dishonoured and so he acted. Too often in our lives, we want to have this sort of faith. We want to be people who take on giants, but we struggle. We see the mountain, a problem, a situation, and it seems too big, too hard for us. We can't seem to overcome it. We give it all we can. We try as hard as we can, but we just can't seem to overcome it. Nothing seems to change, no matter what effort we put in. Or we find ourselves standing in shadows. Nothing is clear around us. We can quote that verse from Psalm 23, the one that Beth, the Psalm that Beth just mentioned earlier. The, and we quote the verse about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Yet we feel like we're stuck there. We're not walking through it. We're stuck there. We're not moving. The shadows are overwhelming us. We look for the way forward, but we can't see it. We don't know what decisions to make. Or we second guess those decisions that we have made. The shadows press in, feeling, make us feel afraid and unable to move. We become scared that we'll make the wrong decisions. We find it hard to have faith when what we've strived for, worked hard for, given all that we can, ends up as ashes. Maybe it's a job, a business, a relationship. We put incredible effort in and all just goes to pieces, leaving us with dust and despair. Or we see the sacrifices we've made in life to follow God, to serve him. We've given up much. We feel like the, that we have really taken up our cross. Yet we feel hard done by because it doesn't seem to be any acknowledgement, any reward for what we've done. We've given so much and yet we don't seem to have achieved anything. It's all just been sacrifice. The chorus of this song says, So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. That's what we want to believe. We want to believe that the battle is God's, 
that he is there fighting on our behalf and that all we have to do is worship, trust, give over our fears, wait and watch. Yet we all know how hard that is to do. We like to feel that we are in control, that we can manage, that God can rely on us instead of us needing to rely on God. We know that nothing is impossible for God. So we think that nothing is impossible for us, forgetting that it is God who works for us. Just as the bridge of this song says, Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. We're now going to look at some biblical examples of where God acted for his people and see how we can put what is there into action in our lives. That when we sing this song or other similar, the words we're singing are truth in our lives, truths that we can share with others. In 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 8, the king of Syria is fighting against Israel. God sends warning, sends warning to the Israelite king through the prophet Elisha. The Syrian king thinks he has a spy because everything he's planned, all his plans are being told to the Israelites and he thinks there must be a spy in his troops. But he's told, no, it's the prophet. The prophet even knows the words that you speak in your bedroom. Even the most private words the prophet is telling the Israelite king. God is at work here already fighting the battle for his people, protecting them. The king of Syria wants to capture Elisha. He wants to stop what's been happening, so he wants to capture Elisha. And in verse 14 it says, So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. He's done this to capture one man. Seems a bit of an overreaction. The next morning, Elisha's servant looks out. I'm sure most of us could relate to his reaction if we were ever in such a situation. In 2 Kings 6.15. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? This servant is with Elisha doing the will of God and now they're in incredible danger. They know there's no way they can fight this army. They can't escape either. It's known that they're there so there's no way they're going to be able to escape from these troops. You can sympathise with the servant being petrified. The reply from Elisha probably didn't do too much to reassure him either. In verse 16 it says Elisha tells him to not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You can imagine the ser servant looking around going, what's he on about? Who's he talking about? There's no one here with us. There's all these troops out there, so many of them, and yet there's no one here with us. Then Elisha makes it clear to the servant what the situation really was. In 2 Kings 6, 17, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha didn't need his eyes open to see the heavenly host because he knew God 
And he knew in faith that God was there with him and protecting him. He was aware of God's presence in his life. We have God's presence with us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. When we face what seems to be an unwinnable battle, we need to have this same faith that Elisha had, the faith that comes from knowing God, from being in his presence, from seeing God work already in our lives. A quote from Matthew Henry's commentary on this passage. The clearest sight we have of the sovereignty and power of heaven, the less we shall fear the troubles of earth. It doesn't mean life will be easy and straightforward. It doesn't mean that there's something, that something's gone wrong with your faith or with God if you are facing these battles. I'm sure Elisha could have tell you how difficult it was to be doing God's will in a hostile land, of facing opposition, of facing persecution. If those battles are there, if those enemies are there, it doesn't mean something's gone wrong. But you wait to see God at work. Even though Elisha knew there were heavenly armies there, he still had to keep stepping out in faith. In verse 18, the army actually comes to attack him. God doesn't stop them coming toward Elisha. But Elisha prays as God has directed and he asks God to blind them so they just can't see. And God does this. God gives the victory. Elisha had to have faith that God would act and he had to do what God told him to do. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, made a good point when he said, there are no crown wearers in heaven who were not cross bearers here below. We are called to continue in faith, knowing God is in control, trusting him, knowing he is able to move mountains. The next example we're going to look at is in 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, is about to be attacked by a number of the surrounding nations who have joined together. They're described as a great multitude. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat is afraid. That's very understandable in this situation. He knew they were outnumbered, that they couldn't defeat the enemy with their own strength. What we see here, though, is that fear drove him to seek the Lord and to tell his people to do so also. If we're afraid, if we're facing situations like we have sung about, fear should drive us closer to God. Our first action should be to seek him, to see what he would say to us, to see what his solution is, to see how he is going to act. We're not to think, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to wait for God. I need to deal with this now. No, the first thing to do is to pray and to listen to God. There are many other things Jehoshaphat could have done. He could have called all his troops together and tried to attack the enemy, tried to take, you know, do it first off before the enemy attacked him and tried to find them a bit scattered or whatever. Or he could have given an inspiring speech to his people to try and encourage them and to try and help them, to reassure them. He could have tried to make a treaty with the enemy or he could have tried to forge an alliance with someone else, one of the other nations that hadn't joined in. He could have tried all those things. But despite the imminent danger, 
He takes time for himself and the nation to seek God. As he prays, he declares what God has already done. And he finishes by saying, For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. As they prayed, God sent his answer through one of those there. They told to go out against the enemy. In 2 Chronicles 20, verses 15 to 17. And he said, Listen, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jerusalem. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then in verses 18 and 19, it says they all bowed down and worshipped the Lord. And the Levites stood up to praise the Lord with a very loud voice. They hadn't seen any victory yet. God has spoken, but they haven't seen it come to pass. The enemy's still there. They haven't seen anything change. But their reaction is to worship and praise him. They took what God said and trusted him to fulfil his promise. I heard a good statement the other day. It was nothing to do with Christianity or church. It was on a TV show where people had built a house. At the end, the host said to the people, joy has overcome fear. The fear of what could happen, of what could go wrong, of whether they would be able to achieve what they were setting out to do, that they had at the beginning when they started to build, now at the end was overtaken by the joy they had in in what they'd done, in what they had built. Is like that here. The Israelites' joy in what God has said, in who he is, that he is acting for them, has overcome the fear of the enemies coming against them. And that's how it should be for us. The joy that we have in God should overcome any fear. When we call out to him and he speaks, that joy should overcome any fear. God's answer to the Israelites' prayer was that they were to march out against this vast army. He hasn't made their enemies run off. He hasn't sent other troops to help them. They haven't even seen a vast army of angels going out before them. God has told them to trust in him and to act in faith. He has said they won't have to fight the battle, but they will have to march out and be in position as if they were going to fight. Verse 17, we see that God says, Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. That's what we need to do, to stand firm and see God act on our behalf, to see him move the mountain, turn ashes to beauty, show us the empty tomb, not the apparent defeat of the cross, to be willing to face what is opposing us, but with faith in God that he will act. We see the next step they took in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. The Israelites are still in a very dangerous situation without any actual sign of God providing an escape for them. They're going out to face this vast army and they send the worship team out first. When you go to war, you'd send out your fighters. You make a show of your strength and power, make a statement about your ability to fight. This is what they are doing. Their strength and power rested in God. They were fighting by worshipping him. Just as the chorus of this song says, So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. I can't imagine a group of musicians and singers coming out first, striking fear into the heart of the enemy. Unless their singing was so bad that the enemy dropped all their weapons to cover their ears. Yet they were making a powerful statement. They were saying they didn't fear who was facing them. They were trusting in the power of God to defeat the enemy. When you're on your knees and your hands are lifted, you are defenceless, vulnerable in the sight of man. You've probably seen one of those police shows where the police burst into a building with their guns drawn and they yell, on your knees now, hands in the air. You're defenceless when you're like that. But when you do that, you receive the power of heaven. When you're on your knees with your hands lifted to God, you receive the power of heaven. The battle was an attack on God's sovereign authority and he, would he was going to defend his name just as he will with us. That's what happened. The different armies turned on each other and destroyed themselves. The last example is from the book of Acts. In chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame man. They then proclaim to the crowd the truth of Jesus. In Acts 4.4 4, it says that many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. So it certainly had an impact on the people around, seeing this lame man healed and then hearing what Peter spoke to the crowd, hearing how he shared about what, who Jesus was and what he had done. The authorities aren't happy about this, and they put Peter and John in prison overnight. When they bring them out before the high priest and the other leaders, Peter again tells them about Jesus. Again, he shares with them about Jesus. He's not daunted by being before the Jewish leaders. In Acts 4.13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognised that they had been with Jesus. What a great testimony. The boldness of these ordinary men, they weren't Jewish scholars, but their ability to speak out the words of God startles these leaders. They see clearly that they are followers of Jesus. The authorities threaten them, telling them to stop what they are doing. But instead of being fearful, Peter and John go to the other believers. And it says, together they lifted their voices to God, proclaiming his power and plan. They pray in Acts 4, 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. As they join together in God's presence, seeking him, worshipping him, proclaiming his greatness, what they desire is to do his will, to be enabled to serve him more. The threats they face are real. 
So they asked God for his power to continue doing his will in the midst of threats and opposition. They aren't asking to be removed from the situation. They aren't asking God to strike down all their enemies, all those that are opposing them. They ask that they be able to continue to proclaim his word, to share the salvation he has given. God answers them in Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They didn't let the authorities' threats deter them from doing God's will. Instead, they sought God. They called out to God and asked for his power, for his presence, that he would enable them to continue on. They didn't let the enemy overcome them. They let God fight this battle and fight it by enabling them to be bold, to be able to stand up against the opposition. So often we see what is against us, the battles, the mountains. We seem to face what appear to be insurmountable odds, things in our lives that we think we can't defeat. And these things are real. Just as we saw with these examples of Elisha, of Jehoshaphat, of Peter and John, they were facing strong, overwhelming opposition. And so do we at times. What we are called to do is to follow their examples, not to be overwhelmed by what we face, but to have those eyes of faith, knowing that God is with us, seeking his presence, seeking him, being in his presence, listening to him, hearing what he would say to us. And as we come before him in prayer, in worship, in humility, knowing who he is, depending on him, we see the victory that he has for us. We need to be willing to act as he directs, to face the enemy, but to face it in an attitude of worship and trust.